are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. My name is Bailey Spindle. I'm a freshman at Southern Nazarene University. Um, I grew up at this church. I went through the youth group here. Um, Some things about me right now, I am a sad OU fan. (laughs) And yeah, I just... I grew up here and I love this. Um, I'm studying pastoral ministry um, and that comes from just my call to ministry that I felt and from pastors like Pastor Lewis and Chris and everyone who's impacted my life. And Pastor Lewis has actually um, been loving on my family for longer than I've been alive. He was really good friends with my great grandma Lillian. So it's a really privilege to be here today. Yes, my name is Lewis McLean. I've been on staff here about 36 years, I think, this last Christmas, and uh, what a blessing. And when I was asked to speak, to preach today, uh, I felt in my heart to ask Bailey to co-preach with me. And, um, and our history does go back. I was uh, not even in ministry. I was, uh, I was the human resource director for a small hospital here in Bethany and hired a woman by the name of Lillian Spindle that she spoke of. And uh, Lillian was a housekeeper there at the hospital, and I watched how she served uh, people in our community and how she served her God. And what a blessing now, many, many years later, um, I have an opportunity to interact with her um, granddaughter, great-granddaughter. And, um, and so um, we're going to share the word together, co-preaching together. And so um, I would like to just start off by, by re- reminding us about the mission statement of our church. We are passionate about becoming like Jesus and helping people come to know him. And so today's message is centered and focused in on that. Um, this last week, I was, I was actually talking to Thaddeus, who's pastor of the Two Lakes Church. And as I was talking to Thaddeus, um, he was telling me a story about what happened last Sunday at his church. And last Sunday, uh, there was a woman that came, and she had been coming to the food pantry for, for a long, long time, but never came to the church. But last Sunday was different. She came, and Thaddeus said, hey, can you just tell me, can you tell me, share with me, why are you here today? And she said something very interesting. She said, what I've believed in is not working in my life. And I'm, I'm looking for something that's missing. I'm looking for something that's missing. And so one of the most common statements that, that we have is that people are looking for what's missing in their life. And that's here in 2019. That's, um, that was here 2,000 years ago. Really, ever since the beginning of man, it's been present. And... Um, we're going to be talking about a piece of scripture that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago uh, to the people of Corinth that um, I think will apply to our lives and where our lives are and influencing people that are looking for something that's missing. Uh, Corinth was a town in uh, really Greece. It was, a, it was a sea town. It was a trading town. It was a bustling town. It had uh, between five and 600,000 people in it, which would make its population about the same size of Oklahoma City. Um, 
the, uh, the distance from Corinth to Rome, where a lot of people traveled to, was about the same distance from Oklahoma City is to L.A. Uh, Corinth was made up of some very, very interesting people. It was kind of a wild town. Matter of fact, uh, Vegas didn't come up with this slogan first. It was Corinth. Whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Um, they had a temple. They had a temple of love. And literally, uh, they had a thousand priestess there that served in that temple, and uh, they were prostitutes. And so this was even a form of religion, what they worshipped, and, and it, it filtered all through the entire community. Sailors from around the world, from Africa, from Egypt, from the Orient, from Rome, they, they all kind of gathered in, into this particular seaport town. And so the flavor of this community that... Um, Paul writes to um, is flavored by what people were around them. Matter of fact, Corinth was completely destroyed in 149 BC and then rebuilt about 100 years later. And that's where all these people came in to, uh, to be involved in trade. And even, even the Jews showed up in this small town at that time and built a synagogue. And that synagogue was, was thriving with a few Jews. And Saul, or Paul, came to that particular town, and he had run out of money. He was uh, traveling. I don't know if you've ever run out of money traveling, but since he ran out of money, he kind of fell back on his bivocational career of making tents. Started making some tents. As he made tents, he made friends. And when he made friends... A church was birthed. As he worked, he made friends. As he made friends, the kingdom of God grew. Um, this is an amazing story that he wants to not only do then, but he, he would like to repeat in our day and in our life. The, um, the verse of scripture I would like to talk about today is in Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 22 and 23. When I am with those who are weak, <clears throat> I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground. Common ground. With everyone. Now, now notice that common ground, and, and literally he uses the word with Everyone. With everyone. Who does God love? Everyone. Who does God want to reach out to? Everyone. Who is God's good news for? Everyone. So here's Paul saying, I'm trying to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessing. Paul was saying, I want to be like Jesus. And Jesus came to share the good news with everyone. And so he said, I'm taking on my Lord's mission statement. And in my world, and where God leads me, and as I live, as I work, I make friends, 
And as I make friends, I build the kingdom of God. I'm going to do everything I can, everything I can to bring the good news to the people of this world. And we should share in that same desire, to have that same urge. When I was a freshman in high school, I went on a mission trip to Mexico with my dad and some students from SNU. And the place that we worked at was an orphanage in Reynosa, about 15 minutes from the border. And we spoke different languages than these kids, but the one thing that we did have in common was soccer. And so that, that, having that soccer built the basis for our relationship that we made with them through the week. And on the last night of the trip, we sat down with the founder of this orphanage who had dreamed up this place 30 years ago. And this place is not what you would expect. It's a school and a neighborhood. Um, and they have parents that have volunteered their lives to these kids. And it's filled with bright colors, bright blues and yellows. And there's a huge soccer field and playground for them to really grow and grow into who Christ wants them to be. And so after he told us about his journey, I began to think of ways that I could get involved in the kingdom in a bigger way, a way that I could love people like he did and how Christ did. I wanted to see people for who they were. So as I was walking back to our room, a little piece of paper slipped out of my Bible, and it simply said, pray for two lakes. And to me, that was such a God moment because that was a place that I could thrive, and that's a place that I could love people and see people. And I'm actually now interning there um, under Pastor Thaddeus in Milani, so that's been a great place for me to see the amazing ways that the Lord is working. But as we were on our way back to Oklahoma after that trip, we were all fired up to help people and to serve, but we were also hungry for American food. So. We stopped at Krispy Kreme Donuts, and we got a dozen melt-in-your-mouth glazed donuts. They were beautiful, and I was so excited to eat them. But as we were stopped at a, at a stoplight, we saw this homeless man, and he was holding a sign that simply said, Anything helps. And us, all fired up to serve the Lord, we were like, Okay, let's give him these donuts. And so we, put, we pull up next to him, and my dad rolls down the window, and he hands him the donuts. And the man just looks at us so, like, frightened and confused. Like, what are you doing? And we were like, um, dozen donuts, they're really good. Um, but he was not having it. And we were, so we were confused, and we asked him why. And he just turned his sign around, and it said, I'm a diabetic, and I need insulin. <laughs> So we were shocked that this was what had happened. And we quickly just grabbed the donuts, put them back in the car, and just took off thinking that we couldn't do anything else to help him. <laughs> see, it's one thing to see people, but that doesn't mean that we know them and that we know what's best for them. Because knowing people comes from building relationships with them. Things are always changing, but the one thing that stays consistent is our desire for real relationship, for genuine friendship, because that's the way that God created us. And in my 19 years, this is something that I've strongly, I strongly believe in, 
because I've watched the way that my grandparents love people and my pastors and my parents, and it's something that I want to do as well. When my friend's dad passed away a few years ago, the only thing that I knew to do was rush to the hospital. There was nothing that I could say to make it better for her, nothing that I could do, but I could be there. I could be present because that's all we can do. We can show up in a person's life and say, I see you and I'm here. C.S. Lewis said this, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what, you two? I thought that no one but myself. Um, finding, finding something in common. I've got two people here that I would like to ask some questions and see if we could. Karen, come on up here. Mike, come on up here. Um, and why don't you turn around and face face them here, and I'll let you share the mics here. I'm going to see if we can find something in common with the two of you. Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions, and you, you respond. I'll start with Karen. What's your favorite hobby or sport, Karen? My favorite hobby is acrylic abstract painting. Uh, Mike, what's your favorite hobby? That would not be mine. Um, <laughs> I would go with uh, bicycle touring. Bicycle touring, okay. Uh, we haven't found common ground yet. What, what is your favorite channel on TV to watch, Karen? HGTV. HGTV. Uh, Mike, what's your? ESPN. ESPN, okay. Um, if you were going to visit a foreign country, what would that foreign country be? Well, if you count Canada, it'd probably be Canada. Canada, okay. Switzerland. <laughs> Let's see if we can find some common ground. What's your favorite pizza topping? What's your favorite Sausage pizza? and onion. Sausage and onion. Double cheese. <laughs> I was with you on the sausage. The onion killed no. me, so I'm, no. I'm partially there, but not quite. Okay. Are, are you a morning person or an evening person? Oh, evening. Evening. Do you want me to be honest or yes. just get on um, eat morning? Morning, okay, okay, okay. I'm wanting you to be honest in all these here. So, uh, what kind of vacation sounds good to you? Camping out or staying in a nice five-star hotel? At my age now, a five-star hotel. It okay. used to be camping out. Okay. I'd go with that. Okay. Now, you said you, it, it used to be camping out. And you're a camper. Okay, well, let's, we're getting a little bit closer here. What's your favorite drink at Starbucks? Venti Skinny Vanilla Latte. Okay. Coffee. <laughs> how, do you like, how do you like your steaks cooked? Medium. Medium. Whoa, we found common ground. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you pay a compliment to him, and you pay a compliment to her. My compliment to you would be probably you are so gifted with the ability to not only express yourself in words verbally, but on paper, and I appreciate that. Well, Karen, one of the things I love about you is your compassion toward people who are in times of need and grieving, and leading up the funeral lunches is a wonderful thing, so thank you. Thanks, thanks. Let's give him a hand here. Sometimes it's kind of hard to find common ground. Um, but they did. And it sounds like probably, you know, the, um, when you find that common ground, then that's where you focus. 
where you focus. Sometimes it's just around the table. Doug, Margaret, will you stand up? I'm going to also give you the same opportunity. I'm going to ask you a little bit different questions here, you know, so if that's, if that's all right. Um, what do you like, uh, crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. Crunchy. <laughs> you guys got married and you should have gotten married. What Lou, are the, Lou we, we've been married 51 years, Louis. Uh, we don't have any independent thoughts anymore. <laughs> Well, obviously, God is using you to minister to each other very well. Thank you very much. Oh, my. Finding common ground. Uh, Paul said, when you're with people and people that are not like you, uh, your main focus is to find common ground. Find common ground with them. And it doesn't mean that we become like them. It does not mean that that uh, we deviate from what Christ has called us to do. Uh, but Paul had a real passion for people that were religious. He had a passion for people that were non-religious. He, he had a passion for people that were moralist. He had a passion for people that were immoral. He had a passion for people who were defeated and demoralized. He had a passion for people. God, can you give us that same passion? Can you give us that same passion for the people that maybe are not like us? Can you make me a servant? Can you take me to wherever you need me to be and teach me to serve the people around me? Um, he didn't really call me to preach to people. He didn't call me to save people. That's his job. He called me to love and to serve people. Maybe in 2020, he is wanting to call you and me to make some new relationships, to reach some people that no one else maybe can reach because they're not listening, they're not paying attention, they're not spending the time with that person. Maybe he's going to point out in our lives some neglected friends. Maybe you've been and I've been neglecting <clears throat> my poor friends, my rich friends, my Democrat friends, my Republican friends. Maybe, maybe I've been neglecting uh, friends that um, are from another faith or another race. Um, Maybe I'm neglecting uh, all sorts of friends that God is just bringing me in contact with as I work and as I make friends and as I build the church. Um, could God use you and me this year to do that? Let me give you a biblical example. Paul was not always Paul. He was Saul. <clears throat> and he was on the road to... Um, arrest the early believers. He was wanting to put out this cult called Christians. And God had an encounter with Saul and blinded him, and he sent him to a house. God could have given his sight back to him exactly the same way he took his sight away. But you know how God operates? You know what God did? You know what God used? 
he went to a believer by the name of Ananias. And he said, Ananias, I've got a tough assignment for you. I want you to go and talk to Saul. Yes, the one that's tracking Christians down, the one that's arresting them and putting them in prison. I'm wanting you to go make friends with Saul. And reluctantly, I think probably Ananias did, but he did. And notice in Scripture, when he walked into the room, I think some things had been gelling and working in Ananias' heart. And he walked in the room, and he said, Brother Saul, the first two words kind of summed it up. Brother Saul. And his sight was restored. His, his uh, relationship with Ananias became close. And that relationship led to other relationships and other relationships and other relationships. And, and the church continued to grow and build. Because some person was willing to follow the direction that God gave him in his normal day to go make a friend with somebody new. And that changed the lives of many. So why wouldn't he use relationships in our lives? Maybe our stories. Uh, maybe your story of how you face cancer. Maybe your story of going through divorce. Maybe your story of an addiction with drugs and alcohol. Maybe your story of just getting victory over temptation. Maybe, maybe you have a story that brings common ground, brings common ground between you and another person. I know in 2005 I needed to break some old routines. I looked around, everyone I ate with, Everyone I played tennis with, everyone I exercised with, everyone I went to church. It was all church people. You guys are wonderful. I love it. I mean, I really, I love you. But um, all my people that I spent time with was kind of like me, just, just like me. And, and so in 2005, I said, Let, I'm going to make a few changes. I'm going to break my routine. Number one, I'm going to do things that I haven't done. And... Um, Chris Pollock said, well, why don't you go with me? I'm going to go on a bicycle ride across the state of Iowa with uh, 15,000 people. And you want to go with me? And I said, well, I think I might. Um, I also um, said, I'm going to start playing tennis in places where I don't normally play tennis. Because I play over at SNU. I play with the same guys, same people. And I'm going to go over to River Park. Went over to River Park, started playing tennis. I, I decided to go to different coffee shops. I was at the same coffee shop year after year after year. And, um, and so um, I began those three changes in my pattern. And I was just thinking about some of the friends that I made in the last 15 years from making those three changes. Their names are Paul, Kent, Anna, Bill, Tom, Tim, Than, Viet, Christina, two Geralds, two Mikes, uh, Raul, Danny, Christian, Steve, Gary, Ben, Megan, Adam, Isabel. All from making a few changes in my normal routine. Megan, I met on the bike trip across 
I mean, literally, I knew one or two people out of 15,000. Out of 15,000, uh, I knew one or two. And so I said, I'm not going to spend all my time with the one or two I know. I'm going to spend my time with the uh, 14,998 that I don't know. Okay? And I did. And I met Megan, 19 years old. Um, I found out uh, she kind of described herself as um, broken and lost. She had a really severe eating disorder that she hid from people. Um, she used the word, I'm, I was wondering. I was just wondering. Um, and that's who she was. And I, I sat down and we would get through riding the bikes and we'd sit down. And at the end of the day, before we went to eat supper and had our own lawn chairs, and I started just in a conversation with her. And um, found out some things, some details about her life. And then a week later, uh, I called her and I just said, I, I think I'm praying for you. I was here in Oklahoma City. She was in Iowa. We'd finished the trip. And then a week later, she called me and she said, you know, I'm going to go um, and get some help. I need some help in my eating disorder. I'm going out to California. I'll call you in a month or two when I'm through with my treatment. And she called me in a month or two, and she had come through the treatment, and she was doing very, very well. Uh, get another call back, and a few weeks later, and she said, you know, uh, I think I'm going to, um, I'm just really in a tough place. And I said, well, why? I said, well, I'm expecting it. I'm not married. Uh, I'm expecting a kid, and I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. And I said, I'll pray. God will give you a direction. Next call came. Well, things are going well, and I'm going to keep this child, and, uh, but I'm not really interested in marrying the father. That would be a, a terrible mistake. And I said, well, I'll pray about that. And, and then a couple of months later, she calls and said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, starting school again. I, if I'm going to raise a kid, I need to, I need to have a job that can pay the bills. And said, so, well, I'll pray for you for that. And then she called. I got, a, I got into school. I'm doing well. I would like to be a good mom. I'm wondering where I can get some direction, some guidance in being a good mother. I said, well, I'll, I'll pray for that. Phone calls after phone calls after phone calls over the last 15 years. I remember the call when I got it. I said, you know, um, my heart is stirred. I, I think I'm, I, I, I need to pursue God. And uh, I'm, I'm trying some churches. Man, I'll definitely pray for that. And she started pursuing churches, and, and she turned her life around spiritually. And then she called me and said, you know, I, I met a Christian man, and uh, we're dating, and I think, I think this might be it. And I said, well, I'll pray that you would know that. And she called back and said, you know, you know Adam, we're engaged. And uh, would you do our premarital counsel by Skype over the computer? And, and uh, well, I, I would love to do that. So we... We started doing premarital counseling over the phone, and then she said, we'd like you to come to Iowa and, and, uh, and marry us. In the last few years, the calls have been about, well, we're now in a, in a class. What's the class? Well, it's, it's um, Dave Ramsey Financial Peace, or it's in a marriage enrichment class. We're, we found a, a church. We just love our small group, and we're growing, and God has blessed me by having a Christian husband, and now we've got a, a bunch of kids, and we're just loving life. Life is good. Life is hard, but life is good. And she said, the broken pieces and what's missing in my life have been fixed. 
Um, I'm no longer described by a person that's wandering, but a a person that has purpose. Oh, and by the way, my sister is dating someone. I think they're getting ready to be engaged. And and would you do their premarital counseling? and, 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 And would you come up and marry them? And I did. I did both of them. You don't treat people like putting notches in your belt or projects. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to love and serve people, whether they ever make a claim of faith or not. We're to love and to serve people. It's exactly the same approach that God has for us. He seeks us. He searches us. He, he pursues us, even if we don't respond the way we want them to respond. Our job is to make friends and to love them and to serve them. Let God do the matters of the heart. I have a friend named Mike. He usually sits back in here. I have more than one Mike, but you would know him. He amens quite a bit. Um, and I was talking to him. He was shopping the other day, matter of fact, four months ago, shopping in Walmart. His family said every time he goes to Walmart, he makes friends. He's just, he, well, how many friends did you make today at Walmart? You know, I said, well, I, I don't know. I met two or three people. He was looking at slacks, men's slacks, and he held them up, and uh, he asked the stranger next to him, is this navy blue or is this black? And the gentleman said, I, I, I don't speak very much English. And they started having a small conversation, even though I couldn't speak very much English. And uh, in that small conversation, Mike said, well, let me teach you English. Let me teach you English. And, and uh, I'll be glad to. And by that time, they're in the conversation. I think um, the gentleman's name is Ali from Iraq. And his father from Iraq came, uh, Baba, or Baba. And then an uncle came. And so over the last four months, Mike has said he's become very, very close to three of these people. And up front, he found out that Ollie, who was teaching, spending five hours a week teaching him English, uh, had epilepsy and had seizures probably two or three times a week. Well, I met Mike at the altar uh, during the same time. I didn't know about Ollie. And Mike said, you know, I really don't believe in divine healing anymore because my wife died of cancer and and I just needed to come down and talk to God about it. And God said, let me show you. And I remember having that conversation and we talked and we prayed about the end and said, well, we'll see what God's going to do. Well, I didn't know this relationship was going on. And Mike had run into Ali who was having seizures two or three times a week. And and he said, Ali, this is a little bit of a test of my faith that I think I'm supposed to pray for your healing, that God would heal you in your epilepsy. Three months pass. Ali's father comes to Mike and says, I, I, I don't understand. Why do you understand? I, I just don't, I can't figure out why, why this is happening. Well, what's happening? My son was having seizures two and three times a week, and now it's been three months, and he's only had one or two in three months. The God you're talking to is healing my son. Find common ground. Find common ground 
and let God do the rest. It's really easy to correct people and to see what's wrong about somebody else's beliefs. But it's a lot harder to connect and maintain a relationship with somebody who thinks different than you. In Matthew 28:19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples of all nations. We're called to go, but we're not called to go with judgment or what we think should happen in somebody else's life, but go with gentleness and compassion. Evangelism is not a checklist, but it's a relationship. People want to feel heard and seen, so hear them, see them. Salvation is not something that we can achieve for somebody else. But what we can do is create safe places, safe relationships where people can feel free to explore a relationship with God. And something that I often forget is that salvation is a journey. It's not just a single event. It starts there, but there's a lot more to it. We should be building relationships with people so that maybe someday they'll wonder why we are living the way that we do. And they'll wonder why we have so much joy, and they will want to embrace that as well. With my non-Christian friends, I try to be really intentional with how I answer questions. And I try to seek opportunities to share my story with them. Just this year, I've had some great conversations with two girls that I've played soccer with forever. We kind of grew up together. We were on the soccer field together all the time. And so I've built relationships with them. And in a lot of ways, we're a lot alike. We have great families, and we attended great schools, and we have people that believe in us. But where we're different is that their families didn't make faith in Christ a priority. And they ended up coming to SMU to play soccer, and so I got to spend a lot of time with them through that. And I've been able to respond to some really hard questions about my faith and why I live the way that I do. And these questions came because of the years that they had felt seen and heard by me. They trusted me to answer their questions about my faith without judging them. And I'm praying that the Lord will use me as a tool to help lead them both to a real relationship with him. See, people can disagree with a lot of things, but they can't argue with your story. In John 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. And a lot of people start to question that man. And he just responds with the truth. He says, I was blind, but now I see. He responds with how Jesus changed his life. And nobody could argue with that. So we must be prepared to share the good news of what Christ is doing in our lives. In, pers- in 1 Peter 3.15, It says, through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention and adoration before Christ, your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. And always with the utmost courtesy. Through building and maintaining relationships with people, we can create instances where we can have these conversations. A while back, Pastor Harvey prayed this prayer. He said, God, bring someone into my life today and give me the eyes to see him. 
bring someone into my life today and give me the eyes to see them. And I prayed that prayer then, and I continue to pray it often. I'm looking for the someones that he's put in my life, and I'm focusing on my friendships and my relationships with them. The beginning of a new year always challenges me to grow and improve things in my life. And so as I go into this new year, into this new decade, I'm going to make it a priority in my life to pray this prayer and to live my life in such a way that anybody around me feels seen and feels heard by me. Because what a great opportunity that we have to be the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears of Jesus in our world. It's not always easy. It's not always a clean relationship. You might get a call from a friend in the middle of a family meal or opening Christmas presents. I can't tell you how many times I've moved this one family, probably uh, eight times uh, in the last uh, four or five years. Um, Sometimes it requires uh, for it to cost you something. Friendships cost. Friendships cost love and service. And, and, and sometimes you, you kind of wonder, what should I do? How do I have margins? How do I protect my own family? How do I love my family and love these other people at the same time? You know, you're probably not going to find the answer in a book or a podcast. But i tell you where you will find it. You'll find it when you're walking with God. And he'll tell you. He'll tell you what to do and what not to do and when to say yes and when to say no and when to embrace, when to correct. Uh, but he's going to be with you. Why, why don't you get your journal out, your friend journal out? Why don't you go to the store and buy a journal and, and in 2020 start writing down the names of the people that God brings into your life during this year? Some will be acquaintances. You, you won't go into a deep friendship. But for others, it will change their life. It will change their family's life. The good news is available for all that's seeking what's missing in their lives. You've got it. Let's share it in 2020. Father, help us. As we conclude this year, maybe to assess it a little bit and see what was good and bad, what needs to be tweaked, what needs to be cut completely out, what needs to be added. And I pray that in 2020, we will give this year to you and your kingdom, which will probably mean taking care of some of our existing friends, and it will also include making some new friends. Thank you, Father. Lead. Guide, direct, help us to have your heart. And we ask this in your name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.